Hey guys, welcome to another week of the Gouache Universe podcast. I'm that comic book artist that discusses comics, movies, science fiction, and pop culture news, all while changing the universe, one subject at a time. So we got a lot to talk about this weekend. Some drop major bombs dropped this weekend that we just got to discuss. So let's get right into it. So first up this week, G4 announces their hosts for uh, their new upcoming shows on uh, the return of Attack of the Show and X-Play. Um, yeah, the G4 announces new new hosts and returning favorites. Um, now this comes from us from comic book dot com comicbooks.com and um so it's been confirmed that adam sessler is returning to x play uh, which i was hoping um and kevin pereira is, is returning to attack of the show which was my favorite of the two from back in the day um we also got some new hosts that um i've never actually heard of these before um someone named frost and Avali may and they are supposedly uh, well, they are doing the um, the esports shows. So, man, this is exciting, man. I mean, I'm glad to see that G4 is coming back. Um, now, I'm wondering, are we going to get any of the other returning hosts to filter in? You know, like Olivia Munn, uh, Blair Butler, you know, Morgan Webb, you know, all these guys. And, you know, I used to love on Attack of the Show, I used to love that segment that they called, um, what was it, uh, Fresh Ink with... Uh, uh, oh, what's her name? Uh, I can't think of it now. Uh, but it was a Fresh Ink segment where they talked about comics and things like that. And that was like one of my favorite. Um, in fact, I should know this. That's, let me look it up right now. Uh, uh, hmm. Dang, what is it? What, what is her name? Oh, Blair Butler. That's her name. Yeah, but she had and for for that to be my favorite. And I can't even think of her name. <laughs> but um. But yeah, I'm hoping that uh, a lot of these guys, you know, from the OG shows would actually um, come back and just to see Adam Sessler and Kevin Pereira returning um, to some capacity in these shows uh, was exciting. So that news was dropped today. So I'm excited to see, you know, I'm I'm still wondering what I mean, is it going to be on network television? Is it going to be on you know cable? Is it going to be on one of these streaming services? That's the only question mark you know that i have over the entire you know announcements you know where will i be able to see these you know wonderful uh shows you know so that's um that's my only question but you know i just can't wait to see you know uh when it actually comes back you know and how they're gonna you know rebrand it you know for today's audience you know because a lot a lot of things change within 10 years you know and um according to the article uh, let me see. What does he say? Uh, it says a lot has changed in the video game industry since this is a quote from Adam Sessler. It says a lot has changed in the video game industry since my last show at G4, which provides me with all the more topics with which to share my unique. OK, sometimes curmudgeonly <laughs> honest takes again with viewers. And this quote comes from Adam Sessler. And uh, Kevin Pereira also had a quote. Also, he says, you know, if you told me nine years ago that I'd be returning to G4 in 2021, I'd ask if it would be on an episode of Cops. Said, <laughs> And um, it goes on to say, I'm thrilled to be returning home and can't wait to bring a fresh approach 
to the epic stunts, poorly conceived comedy sketches, <laughs> and pop culture commentary that made Attack of the Show such a phenomenon during its first run. And phenomenon it was. So, so I'm looking forward to it. You know, I'm I'm really excited about you know their comments and what they're saying, and you know this new take that they're going to have on you know old favorites, uh, so to speak. So. So that's some the news more the more news that comes out on that I'm looking forward to in the coming months. So So for this next topic, um this next topic was actually brought to my attention uh by one of my colleagues today actually. And um it's regarding Mr. Spike Lee <laughs> in directing or being associated with a Marvel project. So I was like, "Oh, okay, well let me uh let me see what Mr. Lee has to say here. And um, let's see. This comes uh, from MovieWeb. And uh, let's see. Spike Lee says he'd consider directing a Marvel movie. Calls DC corny. <laughs> Uh-oh. <laughs> oh, this is going to be good. Let's see. Uh, let's see what it says. Um. It says that Sony's Marvel movie Nightwatch was rumored to have Spike Lee attached to direct, but nothing ever ever came from it. Um, Spike Lee would consider directing a Marvel movie if the right opportunity came along. However, the director does not seem to be too into the idea of getting behind a camera for a DC project. <laughs> Sony Sony's movie Nightwatch was rumored to. Oh, I said this earlier. Sony's movie. Uh, Nightwatch was rumored to have Lee attached to direct, but nothing ever came from it. In 2018, he was asked about the project and whether he was going to direct it. Uh, Lee simply said, no, there hasn't been any news about a possible Nightwatch movie since then. Uh, while Nightwatch is seemingly off the table, Spike Lee says he would he would be into directing a superhero movie. And this is Spike Lee quoting as being said, I have nothing against I have nothing against Marvel. I grew up reading Spider-Man comic books. To me, DC Comics was always corny. <laughs> corny, Lee said. <laughs> oh, Lee, Mr. Lee, you, you mustn't say these things. <laughs> How does they say Ooh, when somebody in trouble? Ooh, <laughs> Ooh you going to get it. <laughs> Oh, now you got me quoting that so raven. Huh? Uh, let me see. Uh, it goes on to say um, uh, in an interview with Entertainment Weekly, he says that DC Comics was always corny. When asked about calling DC Comics corny, Lee laughed. I'm just saying I was all about Marvel. If the right opportunity comes across, I'm not campaigning for it, but I will give it a consideration. Wow. Mm. I'm telling you, Mr. Lee, you can't say these things, you know, especially with these fans. They're going to run up on you and definitely don't catch your ass out on the street. Because <laughs> these fans are going to roll up on you something fierce. <laughs> wow. Uh, well, you know, for me, let's see. You know, I'm a DC fan and I'm a Marvel fan. Um, I would say when I was younger, I was more of a DC fan, but as I got older, 
I became more of a Marvel fan. And, um, you know, um, but I like them both. You know, I, lo- I always love Superman. Um, I still stand by Superman has always been one of my favorite superheroes. Um, you know, I love Batman. I love, you know, Wonder Woman. Those the Trinity of those three are like, you know, my favorite, you know, superheroes, especially Superman. And um, but, you know, as I got older and I started to get more and more into Marvel and that's kind of feeds into the whole theme of what Stan Lee had originated with, you know, Marvel Comics back in the day and in which, you know, he said uh, something to the fact, uh, what is it, the the quote, I want to get it right, but he says something to the fact that, you know, Marvel characters are characters and stories that are outside your window, which means that are characters that you can relate to as far as like being characters that are kind of close to real life you know all of the marvel characters for the most part especially in the 60s uh were like in new york city they were like you know they had problems and you know issues that we as adults you know face all the time you know when i was a kid i didn't you know uh face some of those problems that you know adults are having now as 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 far as like spider-man is concerned you know spider-man had the problems that because he was a teen he faced you know problems that you know other kids faced but um but i always thought i mean just from the the get-go i always thought that spike lee should direct an x-men movie you know this was way before you know uh disney and marvel got the rights back to x-men and everything all with way before the whole fox merger i always wanted to see spike lee do an x-men film because i think that would be in his wheelhouse you know, as far as like the commentary is concerned, um, as far as what he did with Malcolm X, knocked it out of the park, you know. And um, I always thought that that type of, you know, storytelling is within his wheelhouse and he can totally bring that type of sensibility into an X-Men film. You know, and like I said, this was way before, you know, uh, you know, Marvel had gotten the rights back to the film rights back to X-Men and everything. And so. You know, I think his whole directing style, not only just X-Men, but it would lend itself perfectly to those street level Marvel characters like, you know, Luke Cage, Misty Knight, you know, Um, even he can maybe have some part of the world of Wakanda that, you know, Ryan Coogler is building over at Disney Plus. But um, like I said, for me, I would love to see him do an Uncanny X-Men film, you know, and now that we have the emergence of streaming services, the Disney Plus streaming service. He could even it doesn't even have to be a film. He could do like a, a series, you know, a, a six episode series building the foundation of that whole uncanny X-Men universe. You know, I think his storytelling would lend perfectly to that, you know, and as far as like being an action director, you know, some filmmakers, I wouldn't say a colleague had brought to my attention about, you know, may, OK, Spike Lee is not necessarily an action director. You know, but I would argue, look at the Russo brothers. You know, they started out in doing sitcoms. And then, of course, you know, we now know that they went on to do, you know, Winter Soldier, you know, Infinity War and Endgame and Civil War. And um, look what happened with them. And so I would say that, you know, you can always get like a second unit action director to assist the director, the, the main director in his vision. You know, like Spike Lee is great with story and, you know, pacing and things like that. But when it comes to action, you can 
maybe get your second unit, you know, action director to come in and help you visualize what you want. Like he can just tell, hey, I want this to be like this, that and the other. And the action director can help him visualize what he wants in that scene. And it's, it's a collaborative effort, you know, when it comes to filmmaking. And so, like I said, I think he can totally knock it out of the park. Um, also, look at what he did with Inside Man. You know, if you haven't seen Inside Man with uh, Denzel Washington and um, uh, Clive Owen uh, and Jodie Foster, that was a great film. And I think that was his first studio film outside of him actually, you know, writing it himself. I think that was his first film for hire as, as in regards to, you know, a studio brought a film to him, say, hey, you want to direct it? And, you know, he took it on and directed it. And he totally killed it with that, knocked it out of the park. So he's definitely more than capable of of bringing the X-Men to life, you know, and, and like I said, that's just my wish. I mean, it doesn't have to be the X-Men. That's just what I would like to see. But, you know, like I said, he can do any number of those street level heroes in New York. And plus, he's based in New York. I mean, it just seems like a it would fit like a glove that he would, you know, be associated with a Marvel film because New York is his home base. A lot of the Marvel superheroes are based in New York. And it's just a perfect marriage. You know, just the thing is, you know, how would he work? Well, how would he work with Kevin Feige? And, you know, Kevin Feige is a an, a, dire a director's producer. You know, he's he is known for giving his directors and creators, you know, creative freedom to visualize their vision. And um, man, that's just exciting to see that he's open to doing a Marvel film. And like once again, I love DC and I love Marvel. And, um, you know, it's no hate on either side. I mean, I love DC uh, characters and things like that. But, you know, I kind of would want to see him uh, see Spike Lee do a a, a Marvel um, project. That would be exciting to see. I mean, this is a, a competent filmmaker. You know, it's been one of my favorite filmmakers of all time. You know, all of his films are like classics. You know, I think this would be a perfect, a perfect union. So we'll see, we'll see what comes, becomes of it, you know, in the next few years, we'll see. So one of, of course, the elephant in the room, one of the uh, other big stories this week is uh, Gina Carino was let go from uh, the Star Wars universe, you know, based on comments that she made uh, on her Twitter account and social media account. Um, so, my thing is, I actually enjoyed her character on the show. Um, so I'm wondering what is going to become of, are they going to recast her or are they just going to, I don't know. I don't know what's, what is going to become of, because I know they had the investors meeting and they announced a new show called Rangers of the Republic. And I would, you would assume that uh, the character Cara Dune uh, which is the character that Gina Carano played uh, would be a part of that show, if not spearheading that show. Um, but now that, you know, Gina Carano is no longer with the company. Um, I wonder, are they going to just recast the character of Cara Dune or how would that, you know, how's that going to pan out? Because um, I actually enjoyed that whole uh, pairing between uh, Finnick uh, Cara Dune and Bo-Katan. I thought that was a, a great uh, trinity. That scene, uh, well, I don't want to give any spoilers away, but if you've seen the, the last episode of season two of The Mandalorian, you know what I'm talking about. The scene where 
Finnick, uh, Bo-Katan, and, uh, and Cara Dune uh, was on the ship at the end. And, uh, you know, actually, I wanted more of that, you know. But, you know, of course, now we won't get a chance to see that unless they recast. Um, personally, I think they should recast, you know. I mean, you know, they could you know, recast the uh, character. I mean, it's, it's been done, you know, recasting is a part of, you know, uh, television movies or whatever, you know, you know, they're always recasting. So I think they could recast, you know, um, the, you can, I mean, she'll be missed in that, that role, that particular role, because I thought, you know, she was good in the role and everything. Um, but, uh, you know, I think that they, sh they should go ahead and uh, recast, you know, I'm seeing some people online already talking about uh, who should play uh, <laughs> the character already. I'm like, wow, already. But um but yeah, that's so that was the big news for this week. Um <clears throat> and uh you know, but yeah, the Mandalorian is just like, wow. Um and now, you know, we also got um there was also some news that uh the 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 star of the Mandalorian, uh Pedro Pascal is going to be doing um a character on another network on HBO. Um for I think The Last of Us, I think he's uh, supposed to be in and uh so i'm like how does that line up i mean is he still with uh the mandalorian i don't know what's going on there you know uh, you know right after you know uh, we got the news on gina carino uh a few moments later we got news that you know pedro pascal was going to be doing uh the last of us on hbo so i'm like well, what's up with that you know um so I don't know. Is he going to do both shows at the same time? You know, I don't know. We'll see. But uh, I don't know. Season two of The Mandalorian ended so perfectly. You know, uh, I mean, I don't want it to happen, but it could end there. Really? You know, and they can just move on to the other shows. But no, you know, I, I still want to see, you know, you can't just drop a bomb like that. That big reveal at the end of The Mandalorian. I mean, we want to see what happens next. So, you know, I'm definitely want to see season three. You know, um, but uh, so anyway, it's just, you know, controversial news all around. You know, it's very unfortunate, but, you know, that's how things happen. That's how things happen. Now, for this last story. Now, this is something that I've been hoping for almost forever. Um, I recently came across, uh, something on YouTube and, uh, you know, I follow artists and, you know, artists, since I'm an artist myself, uh, a comic book artist, you know, I follow other artists to, you know, get tips on, you know, drawing skills and, you know, uh, drawing hands and, you know, you all, an artist always want to refine his talents and, you know, you're always learning as an artist. So I follow other artists, you know, that are, you know, much more advanced than I am. So I can learn from them, learn from the best. And one of those artists is Jim Lee. And uh, I came across uh, Jim Lee's page and he did an unboxing of his uh, Uncanny X-Men run. Uh, I think it's a Jim Lee unboxing, Jim Lee's X-Men Artists Edition. And basically it was an oversized uh, black and white, just inks, no colors, a copy of his run on Uncanny X-Men or X-Men back in the early 90s and everything. Now, Jim Lee is an artist who 
is like my favorite. He is the quintessential artist for me, in my opinion. He's like the comic book artist. You know, Jim Lee started out at Marvel. You know, he did Punisher War Journal. And of course, we all know his legendary run uh, under X-Men, you know, working on X-Men with uh, he and Chris Claremont. And so those that work, that seminal work that he did in those times were like way ahead of their time. You know, it's like you can look at his artwork today and it's like, wow, this is something he did way back in the early 90s. And it looks like it's fresh today. You know, I've seen works of his, you know, from during that time, which were recolored in today's modern, you know, coloring techniques. And I'm just like, like most people are just blown away by um, his skills as an artist, you know, even back then. Um, but the main thing about this story for me, you know, I've always said, I always hoped that Jim Lee would one day return to join Marvel comics and the X-Men in particular, you know, because, you know, I mean, later after Jim Lee left, you know, Marvel, he went on to do his creator own uh, thing, you know, forming, uh, being one of the, the founding fathers of Image Comics, you know, where he went on to do Wildcats and, you know, other characters that he created. But then he went on to uh, to DC Comics, where he had a legendary run, you know, doing comics like, you know, Superman, Batman, Justice League. You know, his work on Hush was just like phenomenal. And he also did something just recently um, a few years ago. It was uh, Superman Unchained. And I even love that. That was like whew, brilliant. I mean, that it's, it's an underrated uh, book that he did, but it's still top notch. The art and the story was was great in that. Um, but, you know, I've always said in hope, I used to always say to my friends and colleagues, you know, is do you think that is there a chance that Jim Lee would ever come back to Marvel Comics and do not only that, but come back to my favorite comic, the Uncanny X-Men? Would he ever do that? And, you know, most people said, no, he'll never come back tomorrow. He's at D.C. But, you know, for me, I have a different take on that. I have the, the phrase that comes to mind when it comes to things like that. And this in particular is. Anything can happen, you know, and I say that to say, well, I'll just set it up by saying this. Look at what happened with. Spider-Man and the Marvel Cinematic Universe, you know, people said that, oh, when they announced that they were doing Civil War and we know by the comp, I'm talking about Civil War, the movie under the MCU, you know, we know in the comics that Spider-Man played a major part in, you know, Civil War. And, you know, my colleagues and everyone said, oh, yeah, they'll never be able to get Spider-Man because, you know, Spider-Man is with Sony and, you know, Disney and Sony working together. That'll never happen. They'll just add another character in, in place of Spider-Man. And, you know, I was one of them. But what happened? Lo and behold, they managed in a history-making move, they managed to get Spider-Man into the Marvel Cinematic Universe on a lease. And we see what happened there. And, you know, never say never. And what else happened? What else? See, look. Later on, let's cut to a few years later. I asked my colleagues, is there any chance that we can ever see the uncanny X-Men revert back to Marvel? And all of my colleagues said, 
No, never. Fox will never give up the rights to the Uncanny X-Men and Fantastic Four and all those characters because they all, their favorite term was, well, Fox loves money. And as long as they print money, <laughs> they won't give up those rights. But, you know, you know what happened. In a history-making turn, Fox was bought out by Disney and the X-Men and Fantastic Four came back to Marvel. And nobody believed that that would ever happen. And so with that history and context, I still say, is there a possibility that Jim Lee could return to Marvel Comics? And once again, I say it's, you know, never say never, because, you know, at this point, I'm in the, the, the realm of, you know, anything could happen. You know, I mean, Jim Lee is fairly still a young man. I mean, he's been at DC Comics for what, 20 years. And as much as I love the stories and the characters, you know, the, and, and the books that he's done there, 20 years is a long time. And as an artist myself, you know, I'm just thinking this from an artist standpoint, you know, drawing the same characters for 20 years, that's a long time. And, you know, he's been to argue the case for him coming back to Marvel. He's only when you look back on it, I would say, what, six years in Marvel. I mean, if you want to be, you know, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um I mean, if you really want to, you know, be deep about it, I mean, he came back, I guess, for what the Heroes Reborn crossover in 1996. But I think that was for like briefly, that was for like one, maybe a year or so, maybe one year when he did the Fantastic Four reboot. And um, I think he did uh, a Wildcats uh, X-Men crossover in that same year. I think that was 96 or 97 or something like that. But um, but my thing, I'm still holding out hope that, you know, one day, you know, the Jim Lee would return to drawing Uncanny X-Men. I mean, if he did that, that would be like, man, that would be amazing. I mean, that would set the industry on fire. Trust me. I mean, I think Jim Lee and no association with Stan Lee, <laughs> you know, uh, Jim Lee coming back to Marvel would be the biggest news since. I don't know. That would just be big news. You know, I'm trying to compare it to something big, but uh, that would be big news. I mean, that would send shockwaves throughout the industry. You know, having Jim Lee return to the book that made him a household name would be icing on the and just to have, you know, Chris Claremont to come back. Well, Chris Claremont, he's still, you know, with I think he's under contract with Marvel, you know, but to have him come back and have Chris Claremont return to write a Jim Lee story, that would be just like icing on the cake, you know. But, um, you know, I, I'm still not going to give up hope. You know, I'm still believing that, you know, at some point. You know, like I said, Jim Lee's still fairly a young guy. You know, he's not, you know, not totally up in age. He's still young enough where he still, you know, can draw, you know, in, in his prime and everything. Well, he's not in his prime, but he's still at, at that level. You know, he just keeps getting better and better over the years. But but I'm still hoping uh, that he one day comes back to Marvel. You know, even if he doesn't do X-Men, you know, just do anything at Marvel, you know, uh, would be exciting. And just seeing him unbox you know, his artist edition on YouTube just got to just got me to thinking like, man, I sure would love to see him come back and draw these characters again. You know, maybe perhaps create new characters, you know, uh, under Marvel, you know, because he's always doing like, you know, X-Men characters on his uh, personal Twitch page, you know, and I'm and fans, you know, asking to do characters that he's drawn over the years, you know. So I know he's got the, the itch, you know, come on, Jim, you know, you want to do it. You know, I'm sure Disney can match your salary over at uh at Disney at Marvel. 
you know. But uh, anyway, that was just something that I noticed. This uh, I just saw. You can find that uh, YouTube unboxing uh, on YouTube. Um, I think it's called Jim Lee uh, unboxes. Uh, what's the name of the article? The uh, the clip? Yeah, Jim Lee unboxing Jim Lee's X Men Artist Edition, and it was released three days ago, and it's on YouTube. So if you want to check that out, you can. Well, it'll take you down memory lane, though. Trust, but. Uh, Okay, guys, that's my time for this week. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode of the Gouache Universe podcast. Uh, once again, I'll be dropping, you know, news and entertainment news and comics news weekly. So be sure to check me out. And don't forget, you can also find me on all the interwebs just at Gouache Universe. And you can find me there. And also, I got to plug my comic book that's in stores now in digital stores. Now you can find me on Comixology. Uh, the name of the comic book is called The Native Quest, and trust me, you won't want to miss it. It's a grand epic comic book that'll have life-changing uh, moments as you read the book. So be sure to check that out. It's, it's, once again, it's called The Native Quest, and it's on Comixology, streaming right now. And I'll, until then, I'll see you next time. And what else? Something else I wanted to say. Yeah, that's it. So until next time, I'll see you in the universe. Thank you.